Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We're here to talk about Batman Superman World's Finest number twenty-four by Mark Wade and Dan Mora. This is the end of the Kingdom Come story that's been going on for about six months now or so, I'd say, um, in World's Finest. And uh, Zach, you're the one who advocated for us to read this, so why don't you uh, why don't you start us off? What do you think of this? Oh man, I wish I hadn't advocated that we read this. <laughs> It's a mistake. Um, I caught up on this, and uh, man, it's it's dull. Like this was, I I would go as far as to say, like, not considering the art, like, this was kind of a bad story. I think. Um, it did nothing ultimately. It 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 really just kind of is a weird prequel to kingdom come that we didn't need. And like the last and the, the plot, like the, the, the mechanics of the plot don't really make much sense. Like whatever Gog was doing did not make sense. And the only like satisfying, I think thing I, I thought like that there was in the, in the story was the kind of like last little bit. Um, where it kind of sets up this new mm-hmm. future, I guess, for Kingdom Come and and kind of like redeems Magog, but like those three pages Magog. were not worth these whole Magog. We're not worth okay, this gotta whole. Got to do it at least once. Come on, <laughs> this whole you know five issue rigmarole. So yeah, I'm I I was not I was not impressed. Vince. Yeah, I don't think I feel as strongly as Zach does to say it's a bad story, but dull is definitely, definitely an apt word for it, especially when you consider that it's standing in the shadow of Kingdom Come, right? Yes. It feels really weird to me, and I don't mean any, this is, I'm not like suggesting anything sinister or like, (laughs) or like, uh, I'm not suggesting anything by saying this, but it feels really weird that this is the story Wade and everybody would pick to return to Kingdom Come, you know, like it feels so small potatoes compared to that book right mm-hmm. <laughs> like and the and the art is good for sure but again the art being so different from kingdom come also feels a little weird and it's good enough that i can get past that because I, I i enjoy the art on its own but it, it's kind of like and I know Ross is kind of like uh, fallen out with DC, I guess a little, mm-hmm. but like, but you you didn't do any kind of like, um, celebration of Kingdom Come or like synergy at all with that book. Like, even if you don't get Ross, like you don't get some other Titanic artist to like do variant covers or, you know, you. I don't think they put out like a special edition of kingdom come either around this. You'd think they would have done that. Now that, that has nothing to do with how good the story is. All I'm saying is it's kind of weird 
that you return to Kingdom Come with the original writer, and this is this is kind of how it went, <laughs> you know. Well, <laughs> I don't. You're saying yeah. all of this, and, and and a thought just popped into my head. It was like, huh? When have I? When have we had this conversation before? A strange follow-up to Kingdom Come with art that looks nothing like the Kingdom Come artwork. Oh, the Kingdom. <laughs> the kingdom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and who wrote the Kingdom? Mark Wade. Yeah. Um, this doesn't have anything as cool as Hypertime in it. But the Kingdom, I don't think, is a super the Kingdom had so many great ideas in it, but it wasn't a great comic. I think that this is the almost total opposite of that, where there's not any great ideas in it, but it's an okay comic. That's as that that's about as high as of praise I th- as I can pour on it right now. Um, yeah, you know, it issue to issue, it looked really good. The story makes linear sense, kind of, sort of, maybe. Um, I think that, I mean, ultimately, the point of this story is to show. I guess, like the. I don't even know what I want to say. Like, I was trying to articulate this before in my notes. Like, was the point well, of it to show a, a Superman failing and then succeeding? Like, what was, what do you think the point of this was? Yeah, kind of. I mean, to me, the point is, and that, and that's why we started with this Kid Thunder guy, like way before this arc ever started. You know, mm-hmm. the point is to create that character who ultimately screws up at every turn or, or fails. And then to show that, you know, there's redemption in the end, which right. is a tale, a tale as old as time uh, in storytelling, except that it's, it's uh, because it's Gog from a book that we've already read that has since become a classic. And let's well, be honest. Now Gog, but- Gog is not even in Kingdom Come. Uh, yeah, Madog no, you're, Gog, no, you're not. Yeah, you're you're right. You're right. You're right. Gog you're right. is a. I'm. Well, I don't know if was he in. He was in the Kingdom, right? I think so. And God then John's used him again. John's for sure used him in Thy Kingdom Come. Yes. Hang hang on. Yeah. Let, let, hang, so, hang on. Hang on. Just one thing I I did want to say, Vince, the, to, before we move too far off this idea. The idea of giving Magog a redemption arc already fucking happens in the King in Kingdom Come. Like he ends in Themyscira, like redeemed. Okay. Yeah, I'm just looking at the at yeah, you're right. Gog wasn't even in that. Yeah, I but like, oh man. But so it's, it's so long. It's so weird to write a redemption story for a character that's already redeemed in the original story. Yeah. Yes, you're right. You're right. But I think like they're they're attempting to use this kid thunder character to to do like a longer I think he's attempting like a longer view of a things, more drawn out know. version of the same story. Y- yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And to also say something about Superman. Um too. I hey, don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to explain it. I right, I right. said it's dull. I don't think it's particularly well done. Um. Yeah. I. I but that's clearly what it's going for. It's going for this big hopeful like. Hey, what if what if 
what if the story of Kingdom Come ended with the de facto son of Magog leading a hopeful band of heroes from that universe instead of this uh, universe that kind of went to shit because all the old guard, you know, it's, it's, um, it's the kids are all right. The kids will save us. You know, uh, uh, the zoomers are going to vote the right way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's that, isn't it? It's, it's like, I guess uh, so. But, but so here, here's my question. Does this really change the ending? Does this really change the Kingdom Come universe? Because all that shit still happens. Yeah, right. it it doesn't change anything. It just tacks on a new epilogue, basically. Right. Yeah. It's not like this. It's not like Magog doesn't go nuts and all those events don't happen. All that still happens. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I I don't know the I don't know the reason behind this. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I I'm it, just like flummoxed by the existence of like what this book is. Like to me, <laughs> this should be like the flagship of the DC universe right now. This should be like laying the groundwork for all of the big stories at, at DC right now. And the fact that it's not is that it's telling these kinds of stories that are so inconsequential. Um, it just, it just baffles me. And I'm, I'm really, I'm like so <laughs> disappointed by this book, honestly. And you were the one that was most excited by this book, even after it came out. Like you were, you were the you were the bang on the you were banging the drum for this well, the loudest. I think for, of all for of that us. first arc, yeah, I really did like that first arc because I did feel like it had this energy to it. It had this um, this potential. I I really thought that like Wade was going to do something special here, and you know, maybe my expectations are just too high. Maybe like, I mean, it's like perfectly fine for Wade to just kind of have this like fun Superman, Batman book that's inconsequential and has good art. But like, I just expected so much more from it. And, and I, and honestly, I, I like definitely like, I think this arc was bad. Honestly, like, I think it was nothing really happened in it at all. Um, especially like reading it all in quick succession um, it, it was honestly like the worst tropes of superhero comics because it's like the superheroes have to misunderstand each other and they have to fight and then they like but it done in the most boring way possible and then they like get together and they figure out who the real bad guy is and then and and even like the way that this ended like I'm a pretty staunch pacifist but even I thought that like the chiding that that Magog gets for like, uh, you know, for killing Gog in order to stop Darkseid, like everyone's just like, there were other ways that like we could have fixed it. But I was like, it looked pretty dire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't know that they would have fixed it. <laughs> um, it was pretty bad and I don't know like I thought that that was so heavy-handed and 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 contrived and honestly like didn't make sense within the the way that the story was presented it really was just like we have to make we have to 
align this with kingdom come where we send Magog down this dark path. And like, I, I thought it was pretty badly, pretty badly executed. Um, I would go as far as to say, I think this is one of the worst things I've ever read by Mark Wade. Wow. I don't know if that's an indictment on Wade or praise of Wade. Cause this is, this is certainly, you know, this wasn't, life-changing in any way but it also wasn't like as bleak think, as a lot of bad comics we read no but i i think this is like if i was reviewing this issue on multiversity.com i would you'd probably give it, you'd give it an eight i'd give it like a the, three the or worst great <laughs> the worst score you can give it yeah yeah an eight hey, for, first of all if you're posting on a multiversity.com thank you for buying that url we wanted to buy for years but it's ten thousand dollars we haven't done it multiversitycomics.com <laughs> yes <laughs> Sending people to a different website. God damn it, Zach. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty down on this, and I I don't feel good about the future of the book when it's like, what's the next next issue? It's like Lex Luthor and the Joker meet. Oh yeah. I'm just like, yeah. And that's gonna be like the 20, you know, the issue 25 anniversary issue. Like, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I I am not, this book is not for me, maybe. I'm not here for this anymore. Mm-hmm. So I I do have another question for everybody here, which is when this book started, we were all convinced that this was setting up some sort of alternate timeline or something. Is there anything that gives you that indication anymore? I still think yeah, that this, it, it, this Clark acts a little weird for, I don't know. It what did, were you going to say? Did, it, I was going to say it did set up an alternate timeline, the alternate way that the kingdom come earth went so i was right technically well it's not all, no it's it's <laughs> I just know. the other way yeah i know i'm kidding i'm joking okay um no i every time here's my problem with that i think they would have sprung that uh they would have sprung that on us by now i thought you know you maybe play it coy in that first arc maybe even the second arc and then suddenly reveal like this was all taking place uh, on some other earth, not the prime earth or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. I think we would know that by now, <laughs> you know, I, I also think that, yeah, unless that's going to be revealed like in this next issue, because it's, you know, a big milestone that it's like been a different earth all along and that's yeah. going to set up the next like slate of stories that Wade's doing. But in, in that case, I'm like, what have we been doing for two years is, is where I'm, where I'm at. Right. And the other thing about that is I think when the Elseworlds line of books was announced, I may have said something on the show, like, Oh, maybe this is like going to stealthily fold into like, suddenly the book is going to have like an Elseworlds banner on it or something like that. But now I think that this it's not it's not different enough to be that, right? <laughs> but it still doesn't feel like again with like the original incarnation of the the Teen Titans like taking selfies and using cell phones and all that stuff. I I think it is just what Wade has said, which is, well, DC let me uh write a book about these characters and I could set it in modern continuity but with the old older version or the younger versions of the characters and so i did and that's 
fine, I guess. Like there's no, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's just weird that no other book is like is ever like that, you know? Yeah. When has there ever been another book that wasn't like a YA or a mini like a mini series obviously set outside of continuity where like writers were just allowed to do that and nobody said anything. You didn't nobody labeled it explicitly uh you know, this is within continuity. Don't pay attention to the fact that uh speedy is taking a selfie or whatever you know uh, it's it's so weird <laughs> i don't get it yeah i don't get it either <laughs> um i also think i know this is a thing i know this is how the character works and it's what it's what they do but having the specter show up at the end <laughs> to be like <laughs> Well, time to set everything back. Time to bring you back to Earth and, you know, forget about all of this. And they kind of, they resist that, you know. I, why do that? Other than, other than Wade flexing, you know. Yeah. I'm going to have the specter in my book. Yeah. but And it is like, it kind of mirrors the ending of Kingdom Come as well, yeah. sort of, you know. But still, yeah, I don't know. I'm... I'm pretty down on this one, and I, I will continue to to be down on this one. I think. Well, we're it's, gonna make you read Jokey and Luther, so yeah. no, we're not. No, no we're not. Watch, watch say, like, something happen, and then I flip through to the end, and I'm be like, "Oh shit, this oh, happened. We gotta read it." Yeah, comics are back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same, comics are back. The same yeah. message we get twice a month. Yeah. Um, no, you know, I, I the the more I reflect on this, the more I just. It really feels to me like there was going to be an announcement that was going to come in the middle of this book that was going to recontextualize the first part of it, whether it is a different timeline or whatever. And the farther we get into it, like you said, Vince, I just think we're not going to get that anymore. And so I think that even the stuff I enjoyed, I am now feeling less good about because of that situation. And it's, it's just a bummer to feel that way. That, that, that's all there is. It's just, I, I don't know what else to... Uh, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. Hello, denizens of Earth 1218. We're the hosts of Make Mine Multiversity, a twice-monthly podcast. I'm Jaina. And I'm Elias. Make Mine Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into all things X-Men, sometimes we do a book club for Marvel series past and present, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our heavyweight champion coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior indeed. All right. Well, let's get to our second book of the week, which is um, Wonder Woman number six, written by Tom Ting. I mean, Tom King, illustrated by Daniel Sampier. And I may never forgive Zach for making me read this. <laughs> um, we fought about lots of stuff, brother. But uh, having brother. to read this fucking narration. Hell yeah, brother. There is so much narration in this book. And most yeah. of it is god awful. Yeah. And, you know, that comic that we just read, that was a th like a three or four out of, out of ten. This is, uh -huh. this is like a solid, solid eight. This is no, great. it's not. This is great stuff. <laughs> I'm really so glad comics tough. are good. As usual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, this this. I mean, look. First of all, I I have to give King some credit here because he's really trying. <laughs> he's trying to make this book something, and it's just not working. Oh, it's, I have it, a, I have a it, thing on that, but continue. It it just he's really trying to make this a thing. He's he he's he's doing the like huh huh like pointing at the at the punchline. Hoping that you everyone stands up and starts applauding, but all the punchlines suck. There is there is nothing that's happening. He's Frankenstein in the... wasting a minute yes, of your time. He, yes, he is. Thank you. Perfect reference. He is just there is nothing going on in the main part of this book that is interesting to me in the slightest, and it's wasting really good Daniel Sampier art. And you know, I did. I literally laughed out loud when Grail showed up because. Who the fuck uses Grail? <laughs> like it's you know, King is he's going for it. I have to respect the swing he's taking. I just I just can't. I, I can't. I can't. All this the all this narration. There is so much fucking narration in this book. Oh, Vince, talk for a minute. Um, well, I'm I'm in between you guys, but um probably probably more on Brian's side. I, I will say I don't like this book, but it's the least mad I've been at a Tom King book that I didn't like. Like, yeah. the narration is oppressive, but I see what he's going for because, like, um, so, so, okay, so I, let me see if I can explain this properly. The art does a terrific job of telling the story. Like, Sam Pierre is doing great stuff here you don't the the argument could easily be made that the narration is not needed because everything that's on the page you can see and it's dramatic and beautiful looking and you you get the exact vibe it's going for from the the art itself that's a criticism you could make i don't think that's 100 fair i because i do see what King is going for with the narration in that um, even what we see on the page, he is attempting through narration to make it mythic, to make it even go beyond the page and say, you know, this fight that you're seeing, nobody is nobody has seen it, but they've heard tell and told stories of it for, you know, years after they saw it. I get what he's doing there. He's try. He's he's um. He's being like a uh, a carnival barker or something, right? He is using that narration to go beyond what you're seeing on the page to sell this as some epic, grand adventure of Diane, right? So I get that. So so. I'm not saying that the narration is unnecessary because I think that's a valid technique to set this book apart and make it feel uh, mythological or, or larger than life. But it's so oppressive. He goes, as with anything he does, whether it's jokes or like the way people talk or if, you know, he throws in like the, the um, censored cursing, he just does, he goes way too far with it. He has no restraint, you know, 
there's a way to do this kind of narration where this character is is trying to make all these events seem larger than life without flooding the page with like literally hundreds of words, you know? Um, the, the couple times that it works, I, I get what he's going for and I, and I respect it, but it could be done so much less verbosely. I think that that same effect could be had with just like a, a few carefully chosen bits of narration, you know? Yes. Um, it, it's just so oppressive. I also have to say he's just doing the um, city of Bane thing from his Batman book again, where Bane was like the figure behind the, behind the throne. And he had all of like uh, Batman's uh, rogues, like essentially working for him, or at least like leading Batman to this confrontation you know yeah yeah it's, it's the exact same thing it's the it's he's doing the same thing here and um i i picked it out immediately like you can see him doing it immediately <laughs> you know it's not it's not subtle at all that he's just repeating the same kind of cavalcade of villains style thing that he did in that book um except that he's blowing it right away in issue 6 um, whether that bothers you or not, you know, you, it's up for you to decide, but I, I just, right away, I was like, oh, this is, he's just doing the thing he did on Batman again. What I will say is I will give King credit for writing a story that serves Daniel Sampier so well, because from the moment that Giganta started popping out of the ground, like artistically I was all in with what I was seeing, you know, I, I think it's, it's a really interesting um, staging of a fight scene. I think the art is really like, it's pleasing to the eye, but it's, and it's also like brutal when it has to be. It's, it's, it's staged so well, the, the, the set piece, you know, Mm -hmm. um the fight feels epic but again it's due to the art way 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 more than any of the words that are on the page you know and the the one part of the narration that i that i did like that i will give him credit for is when diana comes out of the ground and throws the washington monument back at giganta because it explains that it explains that that only happened because there was somebody to save under the rubble other than herself, mm -hmm. which I think is the one time that like King actually impressed me with both how he was con conceptualizing the character and using that narration to get across something that wouldn't immediately be apparent from the art. But also if you did it through dialogue, it would be hokey like, it would be Diana announcing like, this is why I'm doing that. You know what I think? Right. Right. But that's an example of like how the narration actually serves the story. Well, in that way, the problem is that's like 10% of, if that of the narration. Um, But I've talked too long enough. I want to hear Zach gush over this because he 
loves this book and he couldn't stop telling us how much he was buying two copies of every issue so that he could kiss one and not kiss the other. That's right. That's right. Uh, um, <laughs> so, so go off King. Yeah. Well, okay. So I pretty much agree with everything that Vince just said as usual and <laughs> a lot of what Brian said in so much as like, yeah, this is like, there's way too many words here. And like, I like Vince can see what King is doing and, and, and can kind of, appreciate it somewhat on that merit but like it's a lot you know and and yeah um but unlike world's finest and really i think unlike any book at dc right now with maybe like one other exception and i and i'm sure i i I bet you could probably the guess flash. what it is. Yeah. This like King is going for it in a way that nothing else at DC is going for it right now. And I can overlook some of the things that I like, don't love so much about it. IE the dialogue just because I, I am just enjoying so much of like reading a DC book that feels like it. <sighs> has like care put into it um which yeah. you know sounds sounds dire and, and a little dramatic but you know what i mean um absolutely like, yeah and like i every issue has had like a, a like degree of heart to it that i just like really enjoy and and appreciate and and i i like I'm happy to keep coming back to it because of that. Um, so yeah, that that's pretty much it. I, I really, and like, I still am enjoying the backup too. Like it, it is also has its like faults. Like King can't stop making the like joke about, uh, the the s being for hope like he he just keeps doing it over and over again it's really mm -hmm. annoying um, but there's also the most zach joke of all time in the backup which one is that they're talking about the he says he says that's not how final crisis ended you left out all the singing that was really good yes that, i did that's, like that was that. great that yeah, was great excellent that was great and there are so many like like really heartfelt like i love i like what's going on in the main story with with diana and and the sovereign and everything but i love what king is doing with with trinity and with with damien and john and se once again kind of setting up like an alternate future for, for the dc universe or, or whatever kind of doing future state again basically um i can't remember if it was in this issue or the, the last one because I, I read five and six back to back but you know they're there are references to all these, you know, things that have happened in the interim. Um, like, uh, I can't even remember. There was like a female brainiac and and um, some some other like crazy stuff. But like creating this like kind of new history, this new future. And like the the bit where you know, Lizzie tells Damien that she loves him and he just like, doesn't know how to react is, is so sweet. And like, 
I I just like I I care about these three characters as a trio now. Just after these like four backups that they've done, plus I guess the the Wonder Woman um, six hundred or seven. I guess it was seven hundred issue that mm -hmm. story. Um, and I I want more of that too. And I, I'm I'm glad that that is a part of the book. The book also feels so full because it has like a a really chunky like <laughs> overly verbose, but like feel like really heavy main story and like a good backup too, because I feel like a lot of backups of late have just kind of been like piffle, you know, a little bit. So yeah, I, th to me, this book isn't, it's not perfect, but it's kind of like the full package of what I want from a Cape comic right now. I understand that I, I, I do. And I respect that take. But I feel like we could also say that during Rebirth, King's Batman was one of the few that was really going for it. And that book it, sucked. It was. That's true. And you But know, there, I, there were also times that I did like King's Batman. Remember? If you like. Sure. There were, yeah. there were arcs yeah. that I enjoyed and was like feeling. And then, then it would go in a direction that. I would actually say, and I would need to revisit this to like be sure, but I feel like even even with my like faults with the King Batman book, and I'm not trying to be like retroactive history here, <laughs> uh, I feel like I was pretty not high on the book, but enjoying it on and off up until issue fifty, and everything after that. I think, yeah, I, I just couldn't. It, it it like jumped the shark at that point. I think that's um, probably slightly overstating your feelings at the time based on my remembrance of our conversations, but I don't think you're like totally wrong about that. I just think, yeah. I, I think you probably. I'm trying not to look back on it with like any kind of like rose colored glasses. Cause honestly, like I, King is not a writer. I have rose colored glasses for, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I'm just, I do feel like I, like after issue 50, I thought the book had almost no redeeming qualities. And, and at least before that, there were things that I was, that I was here for. Yeah. Um, but like, no, you're right. You're right. Um, but I also think that, and, and this is, this is, I'm even less sure about because we've talked about how, you know, it's so much easier to like, see how things were in hindsight and think they were better. Um, but like, I think that Rebirth at the time had more going for it as a whole than the Dawn of DC does. But so it feels like the contrast feels starker to me. Cause like, you know, concurrently with Batman, um, you know, at least early on, like Tomasi Superman was really interesting. Um, Williamson's Flash was interesting. Um, I'd have to look at a list of like what was Deathstroke was happening. Um, Rucka was doing Wonder Woman. Um, I feel like at least in those like first two years of Rebirth, there were more books going for it. Potentially, potentially, yeah. Well. Well, Zach, we'll find out how you really feel about Tom King's Batman because I am announcing that we are going to be rereading it for the show. Nope.
I honestly no, think, no. I, think should, I think we should shut do up. That. I of knew you would you say that. Of course I knew you, do. you would say that. No, 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 never. It's going to be a beautiful death. <laughs> it's um, a no, beautiful death is something else. What's that from? It's a good death is the it's a good is death. The, which is which is that that even that is a play on that's I mean that's from like Frank Miller's Batman I'm pretty sure right yeah that's what he uh, says yeah no but we always do the we always do the the Kanye thing with that yeah. or at least I always do uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a you thing <laughs> I feel like we did it back then too uh, unless, you know unless there's a recording I'm, I'm gonna sure we made that. some I feel like we made some power jokes probably oh, yeah probably um. I too liked the backup quite a bit. I love the spirit of the backup. Um, I wish comics, more comics were willing to be goofy and silly and kiddish like this, you know? (laughs) Um, uh, However, on the subject of King not being able to help himself, I I feel like I must point out one or two things. Go for it. Um, Let's see if I can find the line. Here it is. Ice cream. This is Damien. Ice cream. Yes, John. We're going to give her sugar to make her sleep. I'd say the S stands for schnook, but I don't think you can spell that high. Is he Jackie Mason? Is <laughs> is is Damien Wayne fucking Billy Crystal? <laughs> like what? what? I, I I will guarantee you. There's no way to ever prove this. Okay. I guarantee you Tom King learned the word schnook from the last line of Goodfellas. There is no doubt in my mind that is where he heard the word schnook. I had to live out the rest of my life like a schnook. And that's that's where he learned it from. But this this is that thing that he does where like, and he's admitted to this on Twitter that like he and his he and his wife do like (laughs) soy banter at one another in their relationship and that's like that's how they get along so well or whatever and then he, he is he has admitted that he puts that stuff into his comics when he thinks it's funny so okay fine but i'm sorry damian wayne isn't calling john kent a schnook <laughs> like damian wayne hasn't seen goodfellas i'll tell you that much uh yes he has i don't think so i feel like talia had it on dvd he watches one movie a year and it's a Christmas movie with Bruce. The one night that they get together in the, in the theater at, okay. in, at Wayne Manor and they watch a movie. This is established. He doesn't have any time to watch any other movies. I feel like Damien is watching battle Royale and jacking off all the time. <laughs> okay. I don't right. think Damien has jacked off once in his life. <laughs> now who's naive. <laughs> <laughs> I, a num- I don't think he knows November's how to. His, November's his favorite month. Yeah, I don't think he knows how to. And even Every month did, is November for Damien. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think he... Yeah, no, I don't think so. Oh, no, no. He, he's very efficient with it, but he does it. Mm. Yeah. What the fuck is this show? Um, yeah. Zach, I'm, I'm glad that you're getting something out of this. I... You know, and I also think that part of this, and I will I will cop to this totally, I don't give King any any uh time of day. Like as soon as as soon as something starts that I'm not digging, I get this like guttural <laughs> just rejection of his work and I, I can't I, I, I can't get 
I can't get past it. I just, you know, there are certain people who just bug you and his writing when he gets like this, his writing just bugs me. I can't, I can't do it. I, I, I can feel that. And I can see that because I feel that way too sometimes. And even while I'm reading this, sometimes I'm just like, I do have like a lower level of that. I think like creeping in mm -hmm. like, okay, this is a little cringe, but um, I can get past it. There's also no, like there has not been so far any like hype man bullshit or like, bros before heroes or anything that egregious yeah that's uh, true the second something like that happens then maybe i'll maybe i'll change my tune i'm trying to think of another writer who has and this is maybe being a little bit too mean to king again but i feel like king very much has his his style of doing stuff at DC, his books for the most part fit a very particular sort of tone. And very rarely is he deviating much from what has become like the Tom King style. What was the last writer at DC who was so unadaptive to whatever they were writing that was doing the same type of thing all the time? Um, There's kind of a rare thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, wasn't um, every like every Jeff Johns book was kind of the same, right? That that's that's not a terrible answer. Um I would yeah. I would argue that Giffen as a writer was 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 kind of that way. Mm -hmm. I could see that too. Yeah. Now genre-wise and you know, he was all over the map as far as like what types of characters he would use and like to do, but like I if I read a Keith Giffen script, I would know it, you know. Sure, yeah. And I don't mean that compliment. <laughs> put put in parentheses next to that, like, uh, you know, <laughs> not complimentary. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, this was a book. Yeah, uh, the Balin Ortega art in the in the backup, awesome. It's yes. good. I, yeah, I and Sam Pierre too. Like so Sam Pierre is really carrying the main book to the main story, I think. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right, Vince, what comes out next week? Uh, let's see. Amazon's Attack number five, Batman, the Brave and the Bold number ten, Detective Comics ten eighty two, The Flash number six, Green Arrow number nine, Harley Quinn. 37 jay garrick the flash number five the penguin number seven and power girl number six we'll have to talk about something we'll figure that out later uh, i think didn't zach say we have to read green arrow because it looks so abominable <laughs> yes he did there, uh, is a, there is an abominable thing in it that is king related it is king related i didn't know if that would be uh unreasonable no. to tip the hand a little bit but it is king related um, and then I, I also suggested Power Girl just because it's uh, got Margaret Savage art. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Bri so, Brian can bleep me if the King thing is too much of a. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. We didn't say anything about it, so it's okay. Man, man of my standards fallen. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's get out before I say anything else. Uh, you used to <laughs> whip me if I would say anything about you know, future books. Go to bcpcast.com for more. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.
Zach, did you ever watch Girls? No. Should Why I? Not? No. Yeah, not. yeah, you should. No, you shouldn't. Girls cast? Zach. Okay. I would only yeah. watch it for the girls cast. That ah, would, look at that. He's that in. Would... <laughs> I got him. Just because there's so much in that show that has aged so poorly, it would it would it would make for a fascinating podcast. It would, yeah, yeah. So we'll skip doing the lost one and we'll just go right. No, no, we gotta do lost first and then do girls. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with yeah, we gotta do lost first. Okay, so 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 lost is uh Zach's problematic fave show we're gonna do. Girls is Vince's problematic fave show we're gonna do. I gotta think of what mine's gonna be now. Yours is going to be uh, John from Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched one episode of that show and then I bailed. <laughs> yeah. Yours uh, is going to be NYPD Blue. Mine will be the newsroom. I watched that whole series. Oh, I, I hated you it the did? whole time. I hated you it the did? whole time, but I hate watching the entire thing. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, James Johnson and I have been texting about the, the <laughs> newsroom all week, actually. <laughs> That's really funny. Because James had never seen Moneyball before, and he just saw it, and he posted how much he loved Moneyball. Moneyball is one of my favorite films, and I, I couldn't believe he'd never seen it. And then he said, yeah, my girlfriend showed me that, and then showed me the pilot to the newsroom right after to show me the duality of Aaron Sorkin. And uh, so we've been talking about about that. It's just The newsroom was one of the worst shows that I've ever seen, but I watched every single episode. The one I would actually halfway defend and Vince if you didn't see it you would hate it so much is Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip oh oh I watched the whole thing okay yeah my my roommate that was freshman year of college that was mm-hmm. appointment television for us and we sat there stone faced the whole time yeah we watched it the least grim... funny show about comedy ever made <laughs> yeah oh yeah oh it's it is awful and it's probably worse than we even remember <laughs> 